Hey, welcome to Victory Church. Do me a favor, if you can, high five or air high five or shake a hand or elbow bump or do whatever it is you can do in a post-pandemic world or in a current pandemic world, um, whatever it is that makes you feel good. I'm always trying to judge people, not judge people, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, take that back. Everybody's like, look, grab your purse, honey, let's go. Um, I'm always trying to assess people is the better word on where they're at with greeting. You know what I mean? Like when you go up to somebody, you're trying to figure out like, can I hug you? Are, we more, are you more of an elbow person? Are we a pound person? And that's, that's been a really fun experiment in life right now because you can't quite, I never get it right, you know? Like I'm going to hug somebody and they like catch me with the elbow, you know what I mean, to push me away. Or I go to elbow somebody and they're looking at me like, what, do I have germs? So it's, it's, it's a fun experience. How's everybody doing? You doing good this morning? Here we go. Hey, before we get into the word today, I want to just go over a couple of quick announcements. Number one, if you are visiting with us in this place or you are visiting for the first time online, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to text a number uh, that's going to be coming up on the screen. You're going to text VICTORY18 to 31996. Now, what that's going to do if you're visiting is that's going to send you a digital connection card, and you can fill out some information. There's some check boxes at the bottom, and uh, it talks about baptism. It talks about if you just gave your heart to the Lord. It talks about all kinds of ministry opportunities and different things, but it's our way to connect with you, um, especially if you're online because we can't be with you physically, but do that. Also, if you're here and you're visiting and you do that, we'd also love to meet you out in the lobby. My wife and I will be out there if that's something you feel comfortable doing, but I want to encourage you to do that. Also, and don't worry, I'm going to put it back up later. But those of you that are part of the Victory family, you're not visiting today, you, you've been here, or you've been visiting maybe for a couple of weeks, and you're, and you're kind of figuring out, is this your church? I'm going to talk a little bit about something at the end of the message, and I'm going to, I'm going to refer back to this number, and I'm going to ask you to text it so that you can, what I'm calling your next steps. And so just pay attention for that. So go ahead. Those of you that remember things, go ahead and put that in your mind, but don't worry, I'll put it back on the screen uh, once we get there. Also, in case you're wanting to give, uh, in case you're wanting to give your tithes or you're just wanting to give a gift as you're visiting here or online, there's three ways that you can give here at Victory. You can certainly do that online, through our website, through our app. We also have a text to give option. Um, and then, of course, we have a contactless, contactless in-person option. When you walk out, there'll be a black box towards the, the back of the little hallway there where you can do that. We're just trying to do our best to allow you to have the opportunity to give, but also stay as safe as possible. And so in case you're visiting or you've been coming here for a minute going, how do I, how do I participate in that? How do I give my tithes or how do I just give a gift? Those are the three ways that you can do that. Also, April 18th. April 18th is water baptism in the building. Come on, let me hear you. Give it a shout real quick. I'm so, so excited about that. We're talking to so many different people uh, and trying to get people, I'm, I'm trying to get people that are watching online to drive in town so they can be baptized in water, all kinds of different things. So if you're here and you say, man, I've never been baptized in water, what, what is that even about? The, the number one purpose of that, look, you don't have to be baptized in water to go to heaven. The, the, the main purpose of water baptism is you, you uh, proclaiming to those around you, to the public, that you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the action, okay? So it's the idea of you, you being dead, you know, dead to sin, you become alive in Christ, Christ went in the grave, resurrected alive, you, the same thing, symbolism. I like to say it's like a billboard for your Christianity, is the way I like to say it. It's an opportunity for you to say, hey, everybody, I am now a follower of Christ, and I think you should be too. So if you're freshly saved, you've never been baptized, I really encourage you to do that, to register. Um, or if maybe you've been saved for a while and go, hey, I just have never done it, and I'd like to do it, uh, I'd also encourage you to do that as well. You can actually register for it online. You can also do the same thing through that text number. So see, I'm hooking you up. That text number, you can do pretty much anything you want to do from that device. All right, cool. Everybody good with those announcements? All right, here's the deal. 
The past, I don't know, I've tried to do the math and I always forget it. I think about 29 weeks or so, we were in the book of John and we went through it chapter by chapter by chapter. And today we start a brand new series. The series is called Believe, where we are going to go through as a church the book of Acts, okay? It's going to be powerful. It's going to be incredible. You don't want to miss a Sunday. There's a possibility that this series is going to take us into 2022. We are going to have two breaks in this series. We're going to have one break in the fall for At the Movies. We're going to do At the Movies for a couple weeks. Come on, let me hear you. Give me a little shout. Uh, and then I'm also going to take you through a four-week series. I'm calling it How to Be Rich, and it's a, it's a financial series. We're also going to have some financial advisement going on in our growth track room after service. It's just going to be a really powerful time. During this season, a lot of people have fallen on financial hardship, and we want to do the best we can to help you be wiser with your money. And so those will be two four-week breaks throughout the... They're going to come in the fall that we do that, uh, and then we'll start right back with Acts. So it's, it's very possible that this series will take us into 2022, but we're very serious about it. Uh, we're going as much as we can. Sometimes it takes a couple weeks to do a chapter. Sometimes it's a chapter a week. And then we encourage you to get online on our website and register for what we call the journey to where we can send you study guides and different things that talk about the verses we didn't cover. Um, one of the things I pressed a lot in John, I'm going to press again in Acts, is this. Get a journal. Get a journal. When you leave here today, if you don't have when you get here, whether if you're a student, tell your parents. If you're a parent, tell your students right? Let them buy it for you. Um, but tell them, say, hey, we need to go get a journal. Go to Target, go to the dollar store, go wherever it is you go, get a journal. And then when you show up on Sundays, bring that in a pen and be taking notes of what we're talking about so that you can go back, you can fill in blanks, and you can feel like you've really studied through the book of Acts together. I'm going to do my best to preach through it, but sometimes do the time restraints because y'all want to eat lunch. And, you know, y'all are so selfish. Um, but I can't go through the whole thing, but we're going to be able to go through it uh, in different ways, and I just want you to do that. So will you do that for me? Will you bring a journal? Will you be ready to get into this series together? Uh, I think it's going to be really, really powerful. Amen? Amen? All right, here we go. You ready? You ready? Everybody stretch a little bit. Get ready. Make sure people ain't touching you. You know, here we go. All right, Acts chapter 1. So if you got your Bibles, whether you have it on your phone or whether you have it in you know, a paper form, get that out. Acts chapter 1. We're going to read the first 11 verses to open it up. We read some of these verses uh, last week as we kind of peeked into Acts, but we're going to read the first 11. It's going to set up where we're going. All right, here we go. The book of Acts is written by Luke. So if you've ever heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Luke is also written Acts. They actually say, theologians say that the gospel of Luke was kind of like volume one and Acts is kind of like volume two. So here we go. In my former book, he's referring to the gospel of Luke, Theophilus, who, is, who Luke is writing to. I wrote all about, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So Luke says, all in my last gospel, I wrote all about what Jesus did, all about what Jesus taught up until the day he went to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the, to the apostles that he had chosen, it's important that you see the word apostles there, and also next week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. That's what the whole book of John was about, the proof that Christ was who he says he was, and the ending uh, exclamation point proof there was that he resurrected from the grave. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. We shared about that last week, how for 40 days Jesus showed himself to different people, revealed himself to over 500 people, but only 120 showed up for the prayer meeting that we'll talk about next week. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, we'll talk about that next week. Then they gathered around him, and and this is going to be a huge verse for us in a moment. They gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time? going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It's gonna be so hilarious to you when I break that down in a moment. And then he says to them, it's not for you to know the time or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, here's my favorite part. Watch this. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. All right, so they're talking to Jesus. There he is. He's chit-chatting. And as soon as he says that, whoop, there he goes, all right? I'm talking like, y'all remember like 1990s when churches would do productions and they'd have like the wire and the person would like go up in the air and then they'd be like turning on accident, right? right, He just, boom, gone up into the air right before their eyes. It wasn't like, hey guys, look over here, poof. Like there they were the next minute, whoop, there he went. And a cloud hit him from their sight. So he goes up and then the cloud hides him. Now they can't see him anymore. This is so great. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. So they're like, what the? Andrew, did you, did you see that? When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside, that blinded me by the way, stood, stood beside them and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. So the disciples, the apostles are standing there and they're watching because Jesus has ascended and they're like, what the, how did, did you see that? And all of a sudden these guys come up and go, hey, what are y'all doing? What, what, quit looking at that and get going, get to moving. So here's the title of my message, you ready? I wanna talk to you this morning for a moment from the idea, get to stepping. Get to stepping. Y'all ever heard that before? You ever heard that saying? Get to stepping? When, when I I feel like every generation has like their slang words, you know what I mean? Like like I think if we went back to those who were were growing up in the 70s, maybe groovy, was that maybe a word back then? Uh, Then you had your words in the 80s. I, I was kind of a 90s kid. I was born in 84, but you know, obviously majority of my life that I can remember is when I was in the 90s. And so we had a couple of different slang words. I'm gonna see, first of all, do I have any kids, any people born in the 80s growing up in the 90s? All right, I got a few of you with me. All right, let me take you through some of our words. Uh, how about, oh, snap? You remember, oh, snap? Oh, snap. That meant like, oh, my goodness. It's like, like that's kind of what that meant. Like, that was shocking. Like, oh, snap. Uh, this was one of my favorites that I used a lot. Um, all that and a bag of chips. What does that even mean? Like, you're never, uh, you're never you know, uh, considered rich or successful because you have a bag of chips. But all of a sudden, you're all that. And a bag of chips. Somebody, I'm not sure if we did it or if, or if it actually became popular. I'm about to find out. We added on to it and we said this. All that and a bag of chips, Dr. Pepper winning cap. Nope. It's just us? All right, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. All right, there we go. All right, let's wrap it up. Team, come up and sing. Um, uh, here, here was a famous word for our generation that I used so much that I actually used it twice right after each other. The word was bling. <laughs> Some people are like, What? Uh, and I put it right, and I said it like this, bling, bling. That's how I said it, bling, bling. Bling, bling was jewelry, okay? It was shiny jewelry. So if you had it on, you were bling, blinging, okay? No? All right, all right, we need to move on. Um, 
Everybody's like, when are we going to get to Acts? Uh, one of the sayings, though, that was big for our generation was the get to stepping. It, it was the idea of like, hey, you need to get going. You need to move. And so I love this scene that's happening in Acts because Jesus has resurrected from the grave for 40 days. He's gone around and revealed himself to the disciples, the apostles. All these different things are happening. He's getting them all this news. He's telling them to get ready to go get received the Holy Spirit. He's getting them excited. And all of a sudden, whoop, there he goes. He's gone. And, and I just, I mean, the disciples are such real people. I mean, if any of us were out there, and let's just say after service we go out and y'all are talking to me and all of a sudden I just start slowly going into the air, right? There's gonna be a moment where you're like, huh? And you're just gonna be like, like they were just like, what is going on? So much that these angels had to come over and say, hey, you need, to, you need to move on. This is great, but guess what? He's coming back and the reason he left is because you've got something to do and you need to get to stepping and get to doing it. It was important for us as a church to go through the book of John. It was important for it because then we wouldn't care about the book of Acts. And because we went through the book of John, now we can care about the book of Acts because now that we've learned what we've learned in John, we shouldn't be able to learn what we learned in John, watch this, without doing what we see done in Acts. All right, let me say that again. It was important that we studied the book of John because since we studied the book of John, we now care about the book of Acts because Jesus resurrected and we know that. So now we care about the book of Acts. And now that we've read what we've read in John, we should not be able to read the book of Acts without doing what they did in the book of Acts. Everybody go, Whew. right? It's a lot to say. The book of Acts, Luke writes it. It is actually a book that is documenting the early years of the church or, or the years of the, yeah, yeah, the early years of the church. And the way that the church kind of got started and eventually grew and, and exploded, right? Uh, Luke is, is, is documenting his experiences with Paul, who we know would later on go to be the Apostle Paul. And as he's walking with him and doing all these, you know, experiencing these miracles, Luke's writing these things down. So he's experiencing this, and it is the growth of the early church to the point that if you actually, and we'll see this once we're done, when you study the entire book of Acts, you actually see the progression of the early church going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. You actually see the, the progress or the impact of the early church starting here in this small area, right, which would have been like in their city. And then we can kind of see as we go through book, the book of Acts that it kind of spreads out to the state. And then we'll watch it as it kind of spreads out to the country. And then it spreads out to the entire ends of the earth. The, it's literally going to show us how a group of people took what they experienced with Jesus, got on fire, did something about it. And because of it, 2021 in Smyrna, you are sitting in this room listening to it because it's that powerful. The gospel spreads because the followers of Jesus took what they believed and they turned it into action. I think that the one thing that modern day believers could learn from the early believers is the ability to take what we've learned and put it into action, right? Start doing something with it. At some point, the, the early believers they didn't gather around and just talk about what they knew. They actually went out and did something about it. And over time, we've kind of morphed into this group of people that know all these incredible things, and we just set in our knowledge instead of understanding that God has a purpose for us to actually use that knowledge to change the world. 
So here's what I want to, right off the bat, if, if Acts is going to show us anything, here's what the overall Acts is going to show us. We're going to talk about it today, and then every week from here on is going to set you up and prep you for this. You ready? It's going to prove that you are made for a mission. You were made for a mission, that Jesus died on a cross he was buried, he was resurrected, he did what he did in those 40 days, he ascended in heaven, and then he left and gave us mission, okay? So let's go back, Acts chapter one, verses six and eight say this, then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, if you remember me talking about this in John, this is what everybody thought Jesus was coming to do in the first place. They thought Jesus was coming to earth to restore kingship, to be able to kick the Romans out and to be able to put God's people back on the throne. And so when Jesus died, everybody was like, ooh, I guess that's not, maybe he's not the guy. He's not the guy. But now that Jesus has resurrected and he's showing himself again, they're like, oh, he is that guy. He is that guy. So here's basically what the disciples are saying. They're saying, hey, are you now, now, are you gonna like fix everything for us? Like now that you died and you resurrected, now is now the time? that you, Jesus, are just gonna kind of fix all this? And I love what Jesus said. Jesus says, no, not only am I not going to fix it, watch this, but you, you are going to go to this place and you are going to receive power and then you are going to be witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, hey, this is not what I'm going to do. It's what I'm going to do through you. The disciples were, were still under the idea. They were still thinking that they were still under the impression that Jesus was going to do all of the work himself. Hey, you resurrected, man. Awesome. You going to fix this now? Like, obviously you can because you resurrected from the grave and I've never resurrected from the grave. So now you're going to fix all this? They were under the impression that Jesus was going to fix it. It had not clicked yet to them that he was going to do it through them. And that's what's happening in Acts chapter 1, is they are realizing that Jesus is going to change the world. He is going to flip the world upside down. He is going to have a movement of God that will go to the ends of the earth. But he wasn't going to do it by himself. He was going to do it through them and through us. When Jesus was on earth, if you follow through the Gospels, and obviously I, I, I'll explain this in a minute, but because sometimes you'll see the word apostle in the New Testament or, or, or in the Gospels. But when Jesus was on earth, those that followed Jesus were called disciples. The reason they were called disciples is because a disciple meant that you would follow around and learn. So you would follow and learn, follow and learn. Now, obviously, some of the Gospels are being written later, so this is where they're getting the bringing in the word apostle. But the word apostle wasn't actually used towards the disciples, the 12 disciples, till after the resurrection. Because before the resurrection, they were to follow and learn about Jesus. After the resurrection, they were to go and do what Jesus told them to do. Because the word apostle means the one who is sent. So when they were a disciple, their job was to sit there and learn. But after Jesus' resurrection, everything that they learned had been proven. So now it was their time to go out and to do. Matter of fact, our English word mission comes from the Latin word sending. Okay? So, so when he gives us a mission, the mission is actually to go, to go for God. We all, this is so good, we all have purposes that call us to come to God. There are purposes you have in your life that call you to come to God. 
But we all also have purposes that call us to go for God, okay? So some of the purposes in your life draw you to God. Some of the purposes in your life push you to go out for God. Make sense? When, when after the resurrection happened, the disciples went from, from followers to doers. Jesus did not, I'm sorry, God did not send systems or governments to be a catalyst of change for the world. He sent us. So after the resurrection happens, they go from being followers to being doers. Easter Sunday for us was a really big Sunday, as it is for, for any church. Easter Sunday, and I actually talked about this, is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, attended services uh, throughout the year. And we talked about it, and it was an incredible day, an incredible day. We had people who, who were visiting. We had people who had never been here before. We had people who were coming back after the pandemic. It was just a great day. Afterwards, we had an egg hunt. It was incredible. Well, after that day, I started receiving some different testimonies from people. Really cool testimonies. I, there was this one testimony from this individual that had come into the lobby area, and she was bragging about how many people uh, welcomed her in the process. She just couldn't get over how many people were there in the hallways on our first impressions team to welcome her and to say, great job, you know, thank you for being here, whatever it is that they were saying to her. Uh, so that was an incredible, I think, I think it might have been the same individual who walked in and experienced the atmosphere and said, hey, I need a tissue. Just an incredible, incredible day. We also got testimonies from our V-Kids ministry. Uh, we got testimonies about, you know, different families saying that their kid had a great time. We had one kid tell his parent that it was the best time of his life, right? That's what I'm talking about. It's how great our V Kids workers are. Um, and then we had great testimonies from the egg hunt. Families just leaving smiles with like 475 eggs. I think one family ended up with like 1,000 eggs. I think. It's insane. And everybody's like, what do you want us to, you want us to recycle these? I'm like, put them in the trash, all right? We don't need it. Um, but it was just a great day. But I, I, was, I was kind of thinking it through for, you know, a couple days later. And my mind was going, this is wild to me that we have all these testimonies of people who had a great time and experienced God, and it's all a result of people who sacrificed themselves so that they could experience that, all right? Let me explain. The individuals that came into the first impressions or came into the hallway and were ministered to by the first impressions team, that first impressions team normally doesn't get in here pretty early. They come in maybe you know, a little bit into worship. So they missed the awesome video that started the service off. They might have missed the awesome first song but they sacrificed that so that they could be in the hallway to be able to greet anybody. They had to get here early to be able to be prepped for that. They had to be on that rotation and be responsible for it. They had to give up something to be there to do that. Our V-Kids team, they didn't even get to come to service, and we're not at a place yet where we can have two services, so they literally did not go to church on Easter Sunday. They ministered to your kids. They shared the gospel with your kids. Now, obviously, they could watch online later, but they did not get the Easter experience the people that set out the eggs, a lot of them didn't get to participate in the egg hunt. A lot of them were, were having to leave service early or come in late because they were setting up. There were some people, they never even made it in the building for church because they were so busy setting up stuff outside. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because you've got groups of people who are sacrificing what they want so that they can be about a mission that is the mission of God so that other people can come to know about Jesus. You've got people, yeah, you can give them applause real quick. Let's give them a hand real quick. Thank you. Thank you. But it's the understanding that they're not about their mission. They're about his mission. And something in our culture today wants you to be about your mission. What do you want? What do you want to do? What's comfortable for you? What do you like? Meanwhile, what we're understanding from an actual biblical standard from the book of Acts is it's not about your mission. And it's not about my mission. It's about his mission. 
And one of Satan's biggest goals is to get you and I to focus on my mission. Because if I can focus on my mission, then I will ignore the fact that the Son of God has already given me a mission to begin with. If you focus on your mission, you can ignore the fact that according to the book of Acts, God has already given you and me a mission to begin with. There is not one person, I don't care your age, I don't care uh, you know, your, your financial situation, I don't care what ethnicity you are, I, and, and none of that matters. There's not one person in this room who does not have a mission. But you don't need sermons and books to discover it. There's stuff out there like crazy, you know, what, you know, here, read this, do that, do that, and you can find out your mission. We all share the same mission, introducing people to God. That's our mission. Now, I get it that depending on your talents and your gifts, you do it in different ways. It's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about not getting it confused to a point that where we're focused on our mission when we should be focused on his mission. Because watch, when I want it to be my mission, and I make it out to be my mission instead of his mission, then I open up the opportunity for me to want it to be comfortable, convenient, and compliant, right? If it's about my mission, then I can decide whether or not I want to do it. If it's my mission, then I need it to be in my time frame. It has to be convenient. It has to be comfortable. But when it's his mission, I realize that I don't get that opportunity. When it's his mission, I realize that I'm showing up to do the work of God because this is what I'm saved to do. And that's how you get groups of people that will give up time, get here early, do that, to provide an environment where people who got saved, who came to know about God, kids who came to know about God. Why? Because none of those people entered this building on that Sunday going, it's all about me today. Every, every morning before we pray, before we come on the worship team, we start our prayer with, God, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the privilege to be used by you. Because if there's ever a moment, hear me, there's ever a moment where you're focused on it being about your mission, then the ending result has to glorify you. That's the problem. When, when Darla and I were on staff at our church in Memphis, we went through a different positions. A lot of you heard me say this. We were kids pastors, and then we were youth pastors, and then we were some other kind of pastor. I don't remember what it was. And then we ended up being executive pastors before we, we resigned and moved here to plant the church. And in that season... I had different responsibilities, and one to two Sundays a month, I would preach. That was one of the things I would do. When I wasn't preaching, my responsibility was everything, whatever needed to be done. Uh, Tim, who, who is married to Jenny, the VKids directors, he was one of my helpers. I had a couple of assistants that, that we would just tackle whatever needed to be done. But on the Sundays that I would preach, let me explain to you the setup. It was, it was really cool if I was honest with you. So, so the, the, the church, the, the sanctuary, the auditorium in Memphis seated about 2,000 people. It had two, two levels, right? It had a balcony and a, and a bottom floor. Um, and the way it was set up, you had the stage. Then you had about 10 feet of carpet before it came to the first seats. And the culture of that church was the people would get up out of their seats and come down to the front and worship right here, especially the youth. The youth would be, it was always, if you were preaching, it was to the right, and they'd be all over here dancing and shouting, and people would be down here, and then there was a seat right there where the communicator that Sunday would seat, and then over here were some doors. 
And you go through those doors and you walk down a hallway and there's a little room off to the side and they call that the green room or the pastor's room. Currently for us, it's a bathroom in the back, but hey, God's good, you know what I'm saying? And so um, we go in and there was this nice table and shower and this whole deal. And the idea was for me to go back there, you know, when I was preaching and kind of get my mind right and get my mind focused for the day. So I'd be in there, they'd come in, they'd put my microphone on and I'd I'd be putting last notes on my sermon and then the board would come in and they'd pray for you and all this kind of stuff. And by the time all of that was done and you got ready to go out into the auditorium, it was normally like in the middle to the end of the first song. So people were already packed in there. So this was so cool. You'd come out of the room and you'd walk probably about 10 feet, 15 feet, and then these double doors. Now, because of the setup of our leadership, we had security. So the speaker had security guard with them. So I'd walk up to the door and they'd open the doors, right? They'd open them up like this, you know, and you're like, oh, and they open up and there'd be like hundreds of people just dancing and worshiping and the music's loud and you're coming in and the security guard's guiding you through everybody. And because we had been youth pastors, we knew all the youth. And so they're like, you know, tapping me on the shoulder and high-fiving me and handshaking me. And I would get to the, to the pew that we're sitting and Darla would normally already be there. And then there was a pew right behind with people who that's where they were sitting. So they'd want to shake your hand and have, and the security guards make you okay. And then we turn around and we begin to worship. It was the craziest experience. Like, like, I mean, I mean, just to be completely honest with you, you felt like a celebrity. Like, like it, you really felt like, I mean, you're coming out of these doors. Everybody's looking at you. Who is that? You know, you're coming to the seat. You're sitting there. And then I remember this one particular Sunday. I went through all of that, and then I got up, and I preached, and I felt really good about the message. And there was a, a time of prayer at the end of the service, and everybody was down front. It was just a big day. And then you get done preaching. You walk out into the hallway or the lobby, and everybody wants to come over and, you know, shake your hand and be very nice and very respectful. And you get in your car, and you're just like, wow, that was, wow, what an experience. The next Sunday, six, seven days later, I was not preaching. Our lead pastor was, but I was back on, you know, responsibility duty. And Tim at the time was doing something I'd asked him to do, and my assistant was doing something I'd asked her to do. And the news got to me that there was a toilet on the second floor where the balcony was that had been clogged up. And I didn't have anybody to go do it for me. I had to go do it. And so I went and found the plunger, and I go to the toilet. I'm in there. I'm plunging this toilet, right, trying to get it. And people are coming in. I'm sweating, you know. And I'm like, hey, how you doing, man? I'm dressed all nice, just plunging the toilet away. And people, I mean, here I was just seven days ago. I was getting ushered in by this security guard to this front row. And one week later, I'm over here plunging. I'm like trying to hold my nose while I'm plunging. And people are coming in. They're going, hey, pastor. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you, brother. You know, to God be the glory. And my whole deal was this. It's like if somebody came in that day and they were on the brink of not really wanting to be in church and God was trying to get them to a place where that wall would come down, where they would come to know him, the enemy is so slick that he'll let that individual go to that bathroom and try to use that stall and be able to use the fact that, oh, this church can't even keep their toilets clean. You know what I mean? And before you know it, he has turned his back on knowing God. Understand what I'm telling you, that at that point in my life and to today, I realize that it's not about my mission. It's about his mission. His mission was so that people could come to know God. And if that means one Sunday I got to preach it from a pulpit, then so be it. And if it means that seven days later, I got to do it from a plunger and a toilet, so be it. Because it's not my mission. It's what? It's his mission, right? But if I made it about my mission, what would I have said? Oh, I can't do that. Didn't you see me last Sunday? I preached. You got saved. I can't plunge. Go go get somebody who's less than me to be able to play. You know what I'm talking about? Because when we're about our mission and about glorifying who we are, then it has to be comfortable. Then it has to be convenient. 
It has to be compliant to what we want it to do and the direction it wants it to go because we want it to glorify us. But when it's about glorifying God and helping anyone and everyone come to know him, it's salute and execute. It's whatever you need, Father, whatever you need. I'll be honest with you. I prefer plunging the toilets. I didn't have to study for a week to plunge a toilet. You know what I mean? And so there's a point where we realize, like, okay, God has made me for a mission. But the devil wants to get you off base and get you thinking it's about you. And it's all about what you want to do and what you should be able to do and where your gifts are. And you totally miss the fact that it was never about you to begin with. And there's never a point, if you're recognizing that it's his mission, there's never a point where you really say that you don't want to do it. He didn't want to climb on a cross either. It's that moment. Our mission, hear me, isn't to be the center of attention. Our mission is to draw attention to him. Our mission isn't to be the savior. Our mission is to be a witness to the savior. Our mission doesn't lie in what we are here for. It lies in who we are here for. I want to show you John chapter 17, verse 18 real quick, but I'm going to show it to you in the message paraphrase. You've heard this verse many times, but I just love the way the message paraphrase says it. This is Jesus talking to God, and he says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. The same way, Father, that you gave me a mission in this world that wasn't, watch this, this is Jesus talking, that wasn't my mission. Do you remember what he would tell people when they would ask him what he was doing? He said, I'm about what? My father's business. He was saying, it's not my mission. It's his mission. This is why, walk with me, this is why Jesus could be using a, you know, a, a sack lunch to feed 15,000 people like some celebrity, and then just a few days later could be on his knees washing somebody's feet. Why? Because it wasn't his mission. It was his father's mission. He knew that the only thing that mattered was him being able to help people come to know God. That's all that mattered. And for you and I to fulfill the mission that we've been given, it's going to require us abandoning our agenda and accepting God's. So here's the question. Why aren't more people doing it? I felt like up to this point, you guys have been, you know, pretty much with me. So if we know that, Matter of fact, some of you might be like, come on, we know, yeah, yeah, yeah his mission, oh, let's go. Then, then why, why isn't that happening more often? Let me tell you why I think it is. Because regardless, if when you think of the word mission, if you're thinking of you in the context of sharing the gospel to those around you, whether you're looking at it in the context of you serving in the local church, whether you're looking at it in the context of, uh, you know, going to a mission field, whatever the context is that you're looking at, in, when in, the, in, in the word or in the, the subject of mission, the truth is this, purpose has a price. No matter which context you look at it in, it has a price. For you to fulfill the mission that God has on your life, it's gonna cost you something. Now I'll tell you what, it's probably not gonna cost you what it cost the disciples, which was their life, physically, but it could very well cost you your agenda your will, your desires, your personal fame. 
It could cause you putting aside your agenda so that you could fully accept and move forward his. So let's go back to Acts 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now watch this. And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, city, Judea, state, Samaria, country, and to the ends of the earth. Now when you first read that, for a second you're like, man, the disciples are about to go on a missions trip. That's awesome. Like their word, you know, their message is going to be here, here in Smyrna first, and then it's going to go to Nashville and Tennessee, and then it's going to go to the United States of America and, and, and the ends of the earth. That's so cool. They're going to go on a missions trip, and they're going to be able to gather together, and then on the sixth day, the missionaries are going to take them to a fun day, and they're going to like, you know, what is that called? Uh, a zip line through the jungle. It's going to be awesome. The message is going to the world. Or maybe you're that person that goes, oh man, Peter's about to get a book deal. Peter's gonna, he's gonna be you know, brought everywhere to evangelize and all these places are gonna be bringing him in and paying him money and buying him the jelly beans and picking out the colors he doesn't want and getting him in an Escalade. It's gonna be incredible, right? Because if it's our mission, if it's about my mission, then when I read that, I go, okay, I'm about to have some fun. I'm fixing to be known all around the world. Did you hear that? I'm about to be a witness in Samaria to the ends of the earth. I got to figure out, you know, I got to get the right suit coat because I'm about to be on the Oprah Winfrey show. Like, I'm about to be everywhere. I'm going to be world famous. It's going to be insane. That's not what Jesus meant. What Jesus meant was this. The gospel is going to go from here to there because you are going to preach it and then you're going to die for it. And because you die for it, that message is going to have real strength and it's going to start to spill out into other people. And those other people are going to spill it out into other people. And those other people are going to spill it out to other people. And it's going to eventually get to the ends of the earth. And it won't be because you are being escorted in by a security guard and you're walking into a stadium of thousands getting ready to preach the gospel. It will be because you preached it right here to a small group of people and then you gave your life for it. And that message is going to carry weight. More people would hear the gospel because of what Peter did upside down on a cross than what he did standing on a stage. Peter understood that he was, that his purpose was about a means to an end and that he wasn't the end. When we think it's our agenda, we're the end. When it's about what we want to be comfortable we're the end. But when you sit down and read the book of Acts, what Jesus is saying is this. You are a means to an end. You are the witness of the gospel. And it's going to cost you everything that you have. It's going to have a price on it. But so many people are going to know Jesus because of what you do. And in the end, in the end, we all win because you get to enter into gates that are you know, pearly gates and, and, and streets of gold and eternity with God. But you have to understand that your mission here is not about you. It's about being a witness of him. Our culture is doing so good right now at asking you, what do you want? What do you like? Who do you want to be? And the whole direction is for you and I to look inward 
and go, why was I created? And then to search and find this thing that we can give purpose to and then give our life to it. The problem is God already gave us that mission in Acts a long time ago. The problem is that we just don't want to do it because we understand it's going to cost us something that our flesh wants. Fame, pride, popularity, comfort, laziness. But as I said a couple weeks ago, once you really can wrap your mind around what Jesus did, how could you not give your life to it? The Bible says that this life is like a blink of an eye. And I know that's, you know, you're like, come on, you know, shut up. We, we know, we get it. But in reality, it's like 70 years long. Like, we get it. I'm just saying it doesn't compare to eternity. So if we're going to spend our life doing something, let's spend our life doing what, what the Bible tells us to do in Acts. Let's do our best in introduce, introducing people to God. Amen? That's what I want this church to be about. A bunch of people who are just trying every week to introduce one person to God. Because the Bible says that if you lift Jesus up, he'll draw all men. Which means every Sunday, somebody will walk into this building that doesn't know God. That's his responsibility. It's not mine. It's our responsibility to be ready when they get here. It's our responsibility to share the gospel. It's our responsibility to be ready to love on their kids. It's our responsibility to be able to be in that, in that uh, hallway welcoming them. It's our responsibility to set up an environment like this and then to give them the opportunity to give their heart to Christ and live for Christ and then turn around and do it themselves. The question we have to ask ourselves is this. Would I still be excited about my purpose or my mission if the only person who receives glory for it is God? Can you be excited about your mission, your purpose, if the only person who receives glory for it is God? My daughter came into Monday. We try to take Mondays off the best that we can. It never really works, but my daughter came into our room and she handed me this sheet she gets from V-Kids that's kind of like a, a follow-up sheet. So they, you know, what she learned, she put it in. She goes, here, Dad, quiz me. So I gave it to her, and I, I quizzed her. She 100%, got them all. She ran out of the room so happy, so excited. There are people that gave up their Easter Sunday to teach my daughter that. And I don't know that they'll ever receive the glory they deserve for it. Ultimately, he gets the glory, right? But the hurdle that every one of us have to jump is will we still do the mission God has called us to do if in the end we never get glory for it? If the glory only goes to him. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here, are, you've heard of the name Billy Graham? Heard of the name Billy Graham? I think we're probably gonna get 100 hands, or 100% right, hands. Darla and I got the privilege a couple years ago to go to a conference in North Carolina and we got off the plane and we had some hours to kill and we were getting our suitcase and there was a big sign promoting the Billy Graham Museum. He had just passed away not too long before we got there. And, uh, and it, you know, it's free. It's free to go. Obviously, you can buy all kinds of stuff, but it's free to go. And so I was like, man, we got to go. It's awesome. We got to go. So we get the rental car. We drive straight there. Uh, hours, we walk around. It's phenomenal, phenomenal what God did through this man in presidents' lives and in, you know, massive crusades. It's incredible. You would never walk out of there and go, man, missed his mission. Miss <laughs> uh, serving God. Like, I mean, it's just incredible. And I don't know how many of y'all know this story, but let me ask you this. How many of you have ever heard of Mr. Kimball? Not from Kindergarten Cop, right? <laughs> Edward Kimball. Anybody in here ever heard of Edward Kimball? 
We got one. We got one, two, three, four. All right, so we had about 100 to four. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. He had this passion that he would, anybody who was in his Sunday school class, he would go after them in a deeper one-on-one concept. So he ends up going to one of his students and really sharing his heart with them. And this student's name was Dwight L. Moody, also later known as D.L. Moody. You may have heard some or read some of the books he wrote. He ends up obviously leading D.L. Moody to the Lord. D.L. Moody becomes an evangelist. Um, oh man, I forgot. Frederick Meyer, he ends up preaching and Frederick Meyer gets saved at one of his, uh, you know, his, his, his crusades. He gets saved. Frederick Meyer ends up becoming an evangelist. He's preaching and at one of his crusades, J. Wilbur Chapman gets saved. Uh, later on, J. Wilbur Chapman is an evangelist. He's preaching and somebody named Billy Sunday gets saved and that ends up being Billy Graham. So watch this. Everybody in the room knew Billy Graham. Four knew Edward Kimball. But it's very easy to say that without Edward Kimball, we don't get Billy Graham, right? He didn't get the glory. But did he fulfill his mission? Yes, he did. But there's no museum for Edward Kimball. You don't walk around for hours looking at all the stuff Edward Kimball did. You would go to a museum and there'd be this one plaque that would just say, taught Sunday school class and led D.L. Moody to the Lord. But because of what he did, thousands come to know God. Our personal glory is too small of a thing to live for. And those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. Your mission is to help people come to know God. It's time to get to stepping. Last, purpose comes in steps. When Jesus tells the disciples to get ready, the first thing he says is now go to that place and wait. They go there. We'll read next week. They get filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's more direction. There's steps. Everybody in here right now, you are somewhere You're here, you're here, you're here. And every one of us are in a position in life right now where we can take a next step. I'm gonna tell you the best way we do it here at Victory and I'm gonna show you in week three how it's biblical what we do. In Acts chapter two at the end, we'll preach on it in week three. It lays out that the things that we do are exactly what you see the early church do. But let me give you the four steps, okay? Starts with surrender. Step one is you just got to surrender your heart to the Lord. You got to surrender your life to God. You got to be saved. Come to church. Be saved. All right? Then, sure, I was looking at it. Right. Then you move in to speak. Speak is you telling people about Jesus, sharing the gospel, and being baptized in water. Next is serving, serving God in the local church, in different avenues, serving and helping people come to know Jesus. And then it's share, being in a small group, a discipleship class, a group of people where you can share what God's doing in your life and it'll change them as it's changing you. Those are the four steps. So let's go back. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never trusted Christ for the salvation of your sins. Let's do that today. Let's do it today. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you're saved. That means you believe that Christ died for your sins and he raised from the grave. We proved it to you in the book of John. You believe it and now you confess with your mouth, Father, forgive me for I want to live my life for you. Surrender. Do that. 
For every person in here who has done that, your next step is to tell people about it. If you haven't been baptized in water, be baptized in water. Invite, every, invite the dude that works at the Chipotle. Say, come see me get baptized. I don't even know you. Come. Tell everybody. Put it all over Facebook. Invite your neighbors. Don't stop talking about Jesus. That's your responsibility. That's your mission. Share, speak, 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 speak. Everybody should know that you, I saw this meme online, I thought it was so good. It was like a, I think it was like a tree cutting company and the guy's talking to Jesus and he's like, hey, what do you think I should put on the logo of my company so that people will know I'm Christian? And Jesus in the meme said, how about you don't put anything on the logo and people just know you're Christian by the way you live your life, right? So the idea of everybody, tell everybody, tell them. Tell some by speaking, tell some by the way you live, right? Tell them. If that's you, if you've been baptized in water, if you're saved, if you feel like you're sharing the gospel, now you should be serving. You should be, if this is your church, serve here. If it's not, serve somewhere else. But you, if you don't live here, serve, you should be serving somewhere. You should be giving your gifts and your talents and how God's used you to bless other people so that they can come in and hear the gospel. I don't know if you, I don't know if you fully understand what happens on here on a Sunday basis for you to be able to hear the gospel. The people that got here at, I don't know, 7, 6.30 in the morning to get things turned on and going, the people who have been prepping to keep your kids and minister and share the gospel, the people who will break down. Did you know there were people here Friday night setting all this up? Sweating, just sweating. Just like right now, sitting, putting poles and curtains up. Why? Not for them. We did go out to eat afterwards. We went to IHOP. That's not for us. Nobody's doing it for them. They're doing it for him and for you. And then maybe you are serving. Maybe you can check the box on three. The next one is share. You need to be in some type of small group. You need to be leading a small group. You need to be in a discipleship class. You need to be impacting people one-on-one on one all the time. This is the cycle, church. So here's what I want to ask you to do, all right? I don't know if you'll listen to me, but get your phones out right now. Get your phones out right now. I don't know if you'll listen to me, and that's fair if you don't. I'll just pray that you have uh, frogs in your bed tonight as one of the... Uh, what do you call them things? Plagues. Thank you. Sorry. It's hard to preach and remember stuff. Put, you put that number back up there for me, Saban. Here's what I want you to do. The, the number, the text, text to connect number. Here's what I want you to do. I want to ask you to take a step. So if you're not saved, give your heart to Jesus and then text that number and mark on there that you gave your heart to Jesus and we can follow up with you. If you've given your heart to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to mark, be baptized, and then we can reach out to you, and we can schedule, and you get a cool shirt, we get to baptize you, it's going to be awesome. If you've been saved, you've been baptized, I'm going to ask you to start serving right now. There's a little box there you can hit for Dream Team. Sign up, start serving. Every day, there are new people joining the Dream Team, and it's amazing, incredible. And if you're serving, I ask you to, to mark about small group circles. Let's start moving in that direction. I know they're not open right now, but we got to start moving in that direction. We got to start getting that back in place so that we can fully operate in the mission that God's called us to operate in. Amen? Thank you. Thank you.
Amen. Got me excited for it. I'll run off this stage. Listen. One of the biggest reasons why I encourage you to do this is that as you take these steps, you grow with the Lord. You start to experience God in fresh and new ways. But we were made to change the world. And you do it by helping people come to know God. I don't know if any of the V Kids workers from last week are in here right now. I think maybe one or two. There we go. There we go. I see you. But we have a group me system because once you join a dream team, you come into a little family and you set the group me. And I sent on group me that, that deal about Veda. And I don't know how it made you feel. Hopefully it made you feel really good to know that that wasn't wasted time. The Bible says, train them up in the way that they shall go and they'll never depart from it. Which means that girl like her mama could be leading worship one day. And she'll go, you know what? I just remember in V Kids. I remember Miss Amber took this sponge and she squeezed it out and talked about trash in and trash out. And I'll never forget it. That's the mission. That's the mission. Give your life to changing other people's life. I can't make you do anything. But I have made it so easy for you to do it. You text the number, you click the box, you take the step, and I promise you, God is going to move in your life. Father, we come to you right now. We thank you. We spent 30 weeks studying you and everything that you do, everything that you did, and now you're telling us to get to stepping, to put action to those words, to start getting ready to serve in that, in that faith and in that belief that you are resurrected. You've given us gifts and talents to be able to impact the lives of other people. You've called the church to become mobile so that as you send people who don't know you, they can come to know you. In this room, Father, you got some Billy Grahams. But in this room, you have some Edward Kimballs. And we don't get either without the other. So, Father, I pray right now with all of my heart for any person that's never received you, I pray they take that step today to receive you as their Savior, that they would mark that box and we'd be able to walk through them with discipleship. For those that have been saved but they've never been baptized in water, I pray they'd mark that today, that we could celebrate with them as we baptize them in water. For those that have been baptized, have been saved, but they've never served you, Father, I pray they'd mark that box today. They can start serving and being used to glorify you, but also to impact other people. And then for those that have been serving, they've been faithful. They're the reason this church runs and exists. You're calling them to even a higher level to start duplicating themselves into other people. Father, we love you. We thank you. We're so glad that you've given us steps and processes that yes, we have the good news, which means God is near, but it's also the orders to now take that news and to share it with everybody we can share it with. So Father, anoint us. Bring us back in here next week as we learn the power we need to be able to do what you've called us to do. As you lay out the process and you give us a promise. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.